Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippos here. I'm Bob Wankel. And Anthony, it is September 1st. August is in the rearview mirror. Phillies go 17 and 10. Take care of business on their most recent homestand. Disappointing finish with a great moment mixed in there. But 7 and 2 overall. And now they head to Milwaukee. And they're going to try to do something this month that they have not been able to do in recent Septembers. And that's play good baseball. Like, if you think back to last year, we all kind of feel like it was this march to the postseason and then the Phillies really stepped on the gas and they got to the World Series and it was awesome. If you remember, the Phillies actually went 11-14 and last September and they almost fumbled away a chance to even make that run. So we turn the page to a new month. Three games against the Milwaukee Brewers have played very good baseball here recently. And I ask you, as we enter this final full month of the regular season, how do you assess the 2023 Phillies? Have they finally cleared all those hurdles and we're home free? Or do we have some some road bumps ahead here? Um, there's good. I mean, look, I, I, I don't think that this team, we know that this team has, you know, its moments, right? And, and August, it was full of moments. Uh, it was a heck of a month. And we see now when this offense is going, how good this team can be. And I don't think you're going to have a complete fall off again, right? I don't I don't think that there's going to be a, a collapse here by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think they're going to run into some teams or into some moments where they get to be a little bit inconsistent offensively again. And and it's interesting because, you know, uh, when we were talking to, to Rob Thompson before Sunday's game, or I'm sorry, um, Wednesday's game, um, he talked about, you know, ultimately, because he was being asked from this perspective, he was saying, you know, with the, with the addition of Rojas and, and, you know, the little bit we've seen of Christian Pache, um, is he more of the mindset to believe that defense is, you know, a good defense can help you win. And, and he even said, he said, I've always believed that it's pitching in defense that wins for you in the end. He says, because offenses are always going to be a roller coaster. Um, and so that in mind, this offense, as good as it's been, is going to have some down moments in September and people shouldn't panic because that's just the nature of what it is. The thing that needs to happen for the Phillies that you want to see over these fin- this final month of the season is you want to see more consistent pitching and the starters have been pretty good. The bullpen has not been as good. It's not been terrible, but it's not been great. Um, so that's where you kind of want to see things kind of lock up for the Phillies I I I I also like Bob I'd like to see them kind of I know you keep wanting them to run away and hide (laughs) I I don't necessarily do I kind of like where they're at can can I have it both ways where they continue to play well and and they're being pushed by a Chicago or maybe an Arizona (laughs) like I don't want it to be because they they you know they fumble the bag here you know like 
keep, yeah. keep it going, but keep that pressure on. I agree with that, actually. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's I think it's better for them if the games are meaningful. Whereas if they get to a point, look, I, you know, if the final weekend series in New York is you know means nothing, fine, okay, that's no big deal. But you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to them locking up the top wild card spot in that final home series against the Pirates. Like, I think that would be a good thing. Um, I, I wouldn't mind them, you know, clinching a playoff spot maybe the weekend before. Like, like that kind of thing. Like, that's how I look at it. Like, I, 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 kind I, of... I could see a scenario, though, where you look at the beginning of this month, and I don't think that this Milwaukee series is going to be particularly easy for them. Now, the Brewers no. did just lose two out of three to Chicago. But, man, we know it. And we've said it on the show numerous times. Like, they can pitch. They're a yes. little bit offensively challenged, but they can pitch, especially if they hold a lead late in games. There's a lot of bullpen pieces in there that you say, uh-oh. So, like, I don't know that they're going to go to Milwaukee and even win this series. But then if you start to look after that, like, yes, they have the Braves, I believe, seven total times. The Marlins are still hanging around. They'll have something to play for. That's not a particularly easy series. San Diego's cooked. Like, they are not going to make that run. We know that now. Nope. But, again, they still have enough parts that they can beat you on any given night. But you finish the regular season with 10 games, seven against the Mets, three against the Pirates. You have three against the St. Louis Cardinals mixed in there. Like They will have an opportunity to take advantage of vulnerable teams over the final month. And I yeah. do think the way the schedule breaks overall, yes, there are some challenges, but I think that this is set up in a way to do exactly what you're talking about, where they, they don't run away with it. They don't run away with the top spot. I don't even know if I can guarantee you at this point that they they get that top spot. I mean, my sense is that's what they're playing for. That's obviously the target. I feel reasonably confident they will hold that. It would be a catastrophic collapse if they miss the playoffs at this point. Yep. Um, but I do think the way that the schedule sets up, it's there for them. Like, this isn't an opportunity. But I will give you a little context. We talk all the time. I always bring it up about playoff odds. And you look at baseball reference and you look at fan graphs. And uh, between those two sites, like, their odds currently to make the postseason are about 97 98%. Just for some context of that, though, or on that, I should say, go back to last season. Fan graphs on September 1st of last season, the Phillies were also 15 games over 500, exactly where they're at right now. They had an 85% chance to make the postseason. Four weeks later, down to that last week, those final games, their playoff percentages dropped to 70%. Like there is a world where if you don't take care of business here over the next few weeks, not that you're going to miss the playoffs, but that you could make it very weird. There could be some tense moments. So you just hope that this team – Last year, I think the biggest difference for me going into this this September is they had those recent collapses the years prior. They were talking about an 11-year postseason drought. Like last year, they cleared that hurdle. I think that they proved to themselves, we can do this. And then we all know what they did once they cleared the hurdle. I just think this team's in a different mindset this year. It's not about, uh-oh, are we going to lose? Are we going to collapse? It's, we know what we're doing. We're the best team here. We're going to take care of business. Like, that's what I expect to see this month. Yeah, and I think you will. I think you will. And I and I think everything that you've just said is 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 accurate, right? Um, from the from the talk of the of the Brewers this weekend, it's not going to be easy, and they're they're going to pitch, and the offense might struggle a little bit, um, all the way through to the end, where you know the schedule is really light at the end, with the exception of those Braves games. But you know, if you if you really break it down, Bob, I mean, you mentioned pretty much every series that they play this month. And, and you look at this weekend in Milwaukee, you look at the seven games against the Braves, and you say the three games probably against the Marlins because they're still in the in the race. Those are the 13 
games that are remaining that are the challenging games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, San Diego is kind of like that middle ground. I mean, not really challenging because the Padres are, are going to start packing it in. I mean, I think that their loss last night absolutely cooked them. Um, yeah. If they they were clean, they would have if they if they would have come into that series against San Francisco and swept the Giants this weekend in a four game series, all of a sudden they would be back or win three out of four. Even they would have been kind of still around and you say, okay, maybe the Padres series has some meaning, but I think that losing last night really cooked them um, in a way that they lost. They got smoked. Um, You look at Padres Cardinals. And then, like you said, seven with the Mets, three with the Pirates. Those games are, are, you got to just win a majority like they just did this past week, like this, this past homestand. Right. And you, you, you know, you had a, what were they eight, seven and two in the homestand, right? Is that, yep. that what it was? Seven and two. Um, so like if you, you have to win those games kind of along those lines until you get in, of course, if you're, if you're in and it's locked up and you go into that last series with the Mets and you just, you know, don't really care and you lose those games, whatever, fine. But but you know, until you lock up that top wild card spot, you have to play at that rate with against those teams. I think they will. So you know, look, they're going to win ninety games, ninety two games here, Bob. They're just going to finish right kind of where we thought they would at the beginning of the season. Is and, that what, and, what you have them pegged at right now? You have them getting over that ninety win mark for the first time since since twenty eleven. I, I mean, I think it's an I think it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, really, what do you have to do at this point, right? I mean, what, what's what's their exact record at this? They're seventy nine and fifty eight. Is that correct? Am I, I think my, they're uh, seventy four and fifty nine. That's I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah seventy four fifty nine. So yeah, we had sixteen to get to ninety. Yeah, I mean sixteen, and you're asking them to go sixteen and thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am asking them to go sixteen that's and thirteen. Not, that's not ridiculous to get to ninety right. wins, right? Sixteen and thirteen. I mean. I, they just went 17 and 10 in August and the schedules maybe even a little bit, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I look at, I mean, that. Hey, listen, I, I agree with you on San Diego. You look at this series and it doesn't mean just because you're not playing for anything that you, you can't show up for three games and, and play good baseball. And, but you look at the Padres, I mean, they're eight and a half games out this morning. They would have to leapfrog three teams in front of them. Yeah. And they also have the Washington Nationals at this point tied with them. I mean, that yeah. is remarkable that the Washington Nationals and the San Diego Padres sit in the same position on the outside looking in eight and a half games out of a postseason spot on September 1st. Who would have ever thought that? You could have Bob. been the most pessimistic Padres observer on the planet and not seen that coming. You could have been the most optimistic Nationals fan and and never predicted at the beginning of the season that they would, would that they had a chance to finish ahead of both the Padres and the Mets. You know, and you get it back to the Phillies here, and it's just a if you like numbers and you like to see trends and like what an incredible month of August it was. And not that seventeen and ten is the most remarkable month possible, and frankly, it should have been. 18 and nine and we can talk i think we have to talk about that game on wednesday a little bit um but i mean just the movement from this offense and and we know that they actually did have some some lulls like we saw that sunday night game against the nationals where they they fall behind early and they score the three runs in the ninth inning but the offense was non-existent they had the series against the twins the saturday and sunday game where they just didn't do anything at all like you know that those nights are going to happen they happen to every team but when you look at where this offense has moved over the past month and certainly even beyond that, it's, it's quite remarkable. I mean, you go back to just August 1st, the Phillies are 17th in baseball in runs per game, right? 
Then they put up six and a half runs per game for the month of August. They moved to ninth in scoring. You go to home runs per game. They were 21st at one point. They're up to 11th now, like because you hit 59 home runs in 27 games. You look at the slugging percentage, top five in baseball. I believe their on-base percentage is seventh. Uh, their OPS is, shocker, sixth. So, I mean, they middle that. Like, they are, by almost every measure right now, a top 10 offense. And if you just look at this recent sample here and you look at Trey Turner turning it around, you look at Bryce Harper's power surge and all of the different parts, like, you start to feel like, man, maybe this is really that top five offense that we expected back in March. Easy to say right now because everything is going well and they're swinging the bat so well. But I bring up all of these numbers to kind of just ask you, if, if I am assessing the National League right now, and I ask you to do this from time to time, do you think that the Phillies have cut down the gap? And, and maybe not in games in the standings, but do you think that we really are entering a postseason in which the, the Braves and the Dodgers and the Phillies are all on that same tier? Like, I'm not asking you, do you think the Phillies can win a five-game series against the Braves or, or the Dodgers? I, I know the answer to that. I know you think they can. You might not even pick them to, but you think they can. But, like, April mattered, May mattered, June mattered. Like, those months happened. But if you just take a look at what happened here most recently, like, can you make the argument that these teams are really not that far apart at all? Yeah, so I, I think that the greater alienation, Bob, is to say – I think that the Phillies joined the Braves and and the Dodgers in August in separating themselves from everybody else. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean I put them on the same tier as the Braves and Dodgers right now. I mean, are they I, like I a one B or are they like a clear two? I think Atlanta's one, and then I think okay. the Dodgers and the Phillies are the next tier, and then I okay. think it's everybody else, right? Um, so so yeah, I think that happened in august i think we saw that separation and the reason is and you mentioned their names already trey turner bryce harper they are superstars and they are playing like superstars in august trey turner's figured it out he's had an incredible month he's playing like the player you signed to a 300 million dollar contract in fact one of the one of the most interesting things was when um I think it was the Saturday night game. Of, uh, I'm sorry, the Tuesday night game. It's, everything blends together to me. That Angel series was like a weekend. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it was the, during that game, Rob Thompson was asked about Turner. And he said, I don't even want to talk about what happened before August with Trey Turner. I'm done with that. You're getting Trey Turner now. You're getting the player we thought we were going to get. What happened before doesn't matter. And he's right. So when you have those players, when you have Harper and Turner being superstars, you look at those other teams. The Braves have Acuna and Olsen having those kind of superstar seasons. The Dodgers have Betts and Freeman having superstar seasons. And while Turner and Harper may not have had the entire season that those other guys have had, they are now playing that way. And, you know, it took Harper a little bit longer for the power to come back because of his elbow, and Turner just had an awful start, but they're there now. And so you're going to go into the playoffs with three teams with two superstars carrying them each. And the question then becomes, 
who can who beyond the superstars can can win a series and i think that that's really where it's what it's going to come down to with any of those three teams and whichever one of them has the best supporting staff playing in october is going to be the one that ends up in the world series i think that that's what's interesting like so when you look at the dodgers right i don't want to discredit what that lineup is it's a, it's a decent lineup but you have bets and freeman and you feel like they are going to go as far as bets and freeman take them and yep Listen, I mean, that's not a bad situation to be in because they are fully capable of being those guys and they're consistent enough players that they can do it. But you look at Atlanta and you go, man, up and down this lineup, it's like 900 OPS, 840 OPS. Like every single guy has been very productive. And that's not to say they haven't had their ups and downs too, but across the board, that team has just been really good for four plus months now. You look at the Phillies and I think that that's what's, that's why I think that they actually can be in the same conversation as in Atlanta, as a Los Angeles right now, because you have Turner back. You see what Harper is doing at the moment. He looks like the guy that you expect him to be. Like they have superstars that you can rely on maybe more so than Atlanta. Like Atlanta is more like it has probably more balance, but the Phillies have these superstars that you can say like these guys can take games over. And by the way, like there's that other tier too, where Nick Castellanos can be that guy for five games. Kyle Schwarber can be that guy for five games. He can also be the polar opposite and kill you, but he can be that guy that takes over a series. JT Real Muto, it's it's been an up and down year. I, I know that some of the numbers feel a little bit hollow. You look at his numbers and you say like they they're actually better than it, it seems. Really, um, well, he should be better the next six days because he's on the road now. Yeah, well, back on the road, he's going to turn back into a 900 OPS guy. So it'll be good to just get JT away from Citizens Bank Park a little bit. But yeah. you look at it and you say, like, there are multiple guys that can carry this team. And, like, with Turner going the way that he is right now, I mean, he had 324 in August, OPS over 1,000. He came into August hitting 235 with a 290 on base percentage. We were talking about, like, hey, do we do we play Edmundo Sosa more at shortstop? Because how much longer can you do this? And now all of a sudden he's back to being one of the 30 best position players in baseball, which is where he was the seven years before he signed here. So I think that that's where like you kind of get optimistic. And, and I always say it's easier to say that after a good runner in the midst of a good run. So if the Phillies lose two out of three this weekend and they score four runs and one of these guys goes one for 12, like does that reality really change come Monday morning? I don't think so. But I, I do just – I like where they're at. And and more than anything, and this is one of these, these things that I think that we – I sometimes roll my eyes at this stuff. But when you look at certain teams, it's hard not to feel like – and this is where I'll get to Wednesday. It's hard not to feel like that they have an it factor. And, like, forget that they lost the game. And it almost seems lame to say this after they lose the game because they didn't win the game and they should have won the game. They're playing a bad Angels team that, that their season's over. They just waved half their friggin' team. The guys that contributed to that Angels win on, on Wednesday aren't even there now. Like, it's amazing. And they, they lost the game. They shouldn't have. Like, Garrett Stubbs has to make a play. Craig Kimbrell, you, like, you got to bear down, dude. Like, I, like th those things are all true. But you're down 5-3. And Trey Turner's had this great month and he comes to the plate and he hits a three run homer. And like you and I look at each other in press box, like we're both there at the same time for once. And like, we both kind of like looked look at each other and just like shook our heads. And we're like, that's un unbelievable. Right? Like mm -hmm. yeah, they, they, they were able to like kind of seize that moment. 
And then what Harper does in the eighth inning, down a run, launches the home run. It's it's the last at bat. It's his last real chance to hit his 300th home run at home. It's a massive point in the game. And, like, of course he hits the home run. This team, to me, like, you go back the night before, Alec Bohm comes up after Harper is walked intentionally, and he makes them pay. Like, this team seems to have the ability to come up big in big spots, get the job done when it needs to get done. Like, I, I just look around that clubhouse, and I got the sense that they have that that it factor about them. And I think that, again, like, that's what makes them dangerous. It really is. I mean, they do and, – and, you know, we talk about it all the time. You know, we keep – how many times have we used the word resilience with this team, right? How mm-hmm. many times do they come from behind and win a game, right? I mean, I think it was what – it's what, 38 now this year, I think, that they've done. Um, and it would have been 39 if they would if they would have held on on Wednesday. Um, so, like, that – there is something to be said for that. This is a team that believes in themselves. It believes that they um, – uh, that they're never out of a game, that they can win at any time. And they were like that last year in the playoffs too, Bob. Let's let's be honest. I mean, they, they until they went down down in Game Six in Houston, they firmly believed that they could come back and win any you know any game. They believed it, and it just you know they fell a little bit short. Um, there is something to be said for that, and I think it's going to be interesting. You talk about in September, and and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself with because I have a one last thing that kind of relates to the Braves and the Dodgers, and I'm going to save it for one last thing. But it's I think those games against the Braves are going to be interesting in September. They're not going to have meaning really, other than maybe the Phillies getting you know a game closer to with each win to securing the top wild card. But um. The meaning that it's going to have is, is I think that there's going to be a puff your chest out kind of situation between these two teams, and and it's going to be like if this weren't a family show. I have another phrase for that. Uh, yeah, well, of course, it, I know what you're. I know what you're going to say, right? But I mean, you know, um, but that's what I think it's going to be, and I think it's going to be leaving calling cards for what is a probable matchup in October, and. You know, I think I think that you're going to see, you're, there's going to be we're going to have an idea then, I think, of what the Braves are from that it factor perspective, right? I mean, I I think they have a little bit of it this year. I you know, and I'm going to again, I want to save that for for the end, but I, it's going to be that's going to be the telltale for me. I, I'm going to be able to, I'm going to be able to come out of those seven games and I'm going to be able to sit there and say. I'm more confident that they can beat the Braves or I'm less confident that they can beat the Braves. I, and that's I think just that a matter that, of how the games are played. Like if the Phillies go two and five against the yeah, Braves in September, are res- you like, oh, we can't, uh, can't possibly do it now. The, re- the result won't matter so much to me of those okay. games. The result, won't, I mean, it, it, it matters a little bit, but not, not as much. It's more about how the games are played, how the teams look how they respond to things like there's gonna be things you're gonna be watching for that are completely outside of the you know how you pitch that batter or or what they did what their statistics were in the game it's more about the mono mono kind of mentality and i think that that's going to be more telling about where these two teams are in relation to one another than anything else so i, I really do find those seven games against the braves to be really intriguing from that perspective coming, coming in September. Let's talk a little bit about the game on Wednesday. Um, 
I called it one of the, the greatest regular season moments in the history of Citizens Bank Park. Maybe I was a prisoner of the moment. I don't know. I I really thought that the Bryce Harper home run was one of the, uh, you know, like when you cover sports, like you, you're down there a lot. I mean, you've been down there a ton. I know that when I was kind of going through the grind of, of doing most of the home games back in the day, like every now and then you'd see a cool finish. You you would see a, a, a neat moment and you say, oh, I'm, I'm glad I got to see that in person. Like that's, that's cool. But there's only a handful. You could probably do this job 10, 20, 30 years. There's really only a handful of moments that you'd say, especially a regular season game. I'm glad I got to see that. And I, for me, the Bryce Harper home run was one of them. And I don't know if some of the shine got taken off of it an inning later. Maybe it did because, it, you know, they didn't win the game. But I really felt like, man, that is a moment that you just kind of stack up and you, 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 it's another one for Bryce Harper. Like, again, this guy just has this uncanny ability to perform and entertain and seize the moment and, and own the moment. I think he's a Hall of Famer right now. And I I don't want to like do a WIP segment here, but I think 300 home runs, what he's meant to the game, two-time MVP, rookie of the year, the the production, like I, I think he's a, a Hall of Famer right now. And it's moments like the one that we saw on Wednesday that just kind of solidifies that take for me. He is. Um and and he's he's also he's also a Hall of Fame panderer which he admits right <laughs> in some, in some at least acknowledges, acknowledges that people it. think he is i don't know that he has himself admitted it yes exactly you're right he, he acknowledges that people are from mount yeah. airy yeah exactly <laughs> uh there, there were t-shirts online that said do it for chuck from mount airy i love, I love that. It. it's just, it's it's amazing it's this what a city the world that we're the city that we live in the world that we're in it's great but no you're you're right i mean the the thing about Harper, you know, there was a knock on him when he was in Washington that as good as he was, he didn't come up big in the big moments. And ever since he's gotten to Philadelphia, all he's done is come up big in the big moments, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's been unbelievable when the when that red light goes on. And he's as locked in a hitter. And he gets into this. He did it last year in, in October. But right now, he's as locked in as anybody I can remember. I mean, and it's and it's a maturity that I think that he's had over the course of even the last year, Bob. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing that you used to say about Bryce is that, you know, he would come up in a spot and be like, he's trying to, oh, it looks like he's always trying to swing for the fences. And there have been times during this this run in August, even even before it, you know, you know, when he was not hitting the home runs, but where you know he gets that two strike pitch on the outer outer half, and he's not trying to crush it. Instead, he just flicks his wrists and pokes out the left field for a single, keeps a rally going, whatever. Like he's doing everything at the plate. So that the fact that he's able to add in ten home runs in the month of August and suddenly have this power surge on top of the fact that he's all getting on base and he's hitting 300 and now he's going to be intentionally walked a bunch. We're starting to see it add up. Happened a couple times now against, against uh, Anaheim. They were like, Nope. uh, Or the angels. Nope. We're not pitching to the guy. Even one point intentionally walking with two outs and nobody on base. Right. They put him on. (laughs) Um, So 
that shows you how locked in he is. I, I can't think of a player who's been that locked in. And you're right. As far as moments go at Citizens Bank Park, regular season, the only ones that I, I mean, I was trying to, as you were saying, I was trying to think of them. I was thinking of, you know, uh, the, the, the Utley walk off off of Billy Wagner against the Mets when they swept that series back in 07, like the kind of, that was like yeah. the, the kickoff of we're here, right? We're coming, you know, clinching the division in 07. Yeah, sure. Like the Brett Meyer strikeout right. to, to, in 07. Yeah. Uh, the double play in 08. The, right. The turn, was it Zimmerman that hit that? Like, yeah. Th- those are, you know, direct correlation between we we are not in the postseason and we are now in the postseason yeah sure yeah, yeah. and then you got lorenzen's no hitter yeah. right earlier that you know that was a great moment at citizens bank park regular season um and maybe a couple of the of the walk-offs at the very beginning of of uh thompson's tenure last year like um you know the stubs home run the harper one right. you know the, you know the, there was a couple of those like those but other than that, I mean, really, at Citizens Bank Park, what are your regular season moments that you really, really remember? Um, yeah. And those – so, yes, it, it certainly is in the Pantheon. Uh, he's just on another plane, and it's it's a beautiful thing to watch, you know, when a guy is that good at what he does at this in this sport. So I I want to kind of get to and we we've been so positive here for for almost a half hour now there are some concerns and you know what's interesting like if you look at the last thirty days and you just go uh, ERA starting pitching around baseball Philly starters have a three nine six ERA which actually is eighth best in baseball and to be honest with you that surprises me um, I know that we've gotten two really good starts from Aaron Nola here recently uh, the beginning of his month though was not great. Uh, Zach Wheeler has been excellent at times. He, he had a couple clunkers, though, mixed in there as well. And then you look at the back end of this rotation, you get the no-hitter from Michael Lorenzen, which certainly happened in the month of August. I acknowledge that. But you you saw him struggle a little bit. Tylon Walker, I know it, it, it at the end of the day, it like comes out to five innings, three earned runs. But, man, it doesn't look good. Um, Ranger Suarez has not been available. And then Christopher Sanchez has been good. Wasn't great the other day. Official scorer did him a favor, knocking down five earned runs to three earned runs an inning later. Howard Eskin, by the way, was like having an absolute meltdown in the press box after that. But it just doesn't – it doesn't look great. Like, it doesn't look great beyond the, the first two guys, which is which is okay because we've been talking for so long about everyone else looks good except for Aaron Nola. But, like, it doesn't look I, – I don't feel great about it. And then when you get into the bullpen, like – that's a, I guess we probably need to do this in two different parts, but the bullpen for me, again, it's been a concern and I'm surprised to see that they've actually had the 11th best bullpen ERA over the last 30 days at 3.84 because it's felt pretty rocky to me. So yeah. Well, it's, it's maybe. interesting, Bob. It's interesting. I mean, and, and, and this is, I think, you know, what I've been trying to hint at for a while with the sport, like, Pitchers are getting abused in baseball this year. They're getting abused, and and nobody wants to really address it from a from a national perspective because this is what baseball has wrought. Um, but it's it, it, when you look at the thing you say, and you're not nothing you have said is wrong. There are things that you looked at that maybe if we looked at it through the lens of a, of a season ago, if this kind of pitching was happening, the freaking red flags would be everywhere and they'd be waving at the, you know, in, 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 you know, with veracity, mm-hmm. but because pitching is what it is in baseball. Now, what the Phillies are giving you is actually pretty good in right. comparison to the rest of the sport. 
And and that's the thing. It's weird. Like we we really want to sit there and say, yeah, this guy's not done great, and this guy's not done. But when you look at it in comparison to everybody else, they've actually done okay. And so, yes, I mean, would you like them to be better? Yes, in, in all aspects. Um, but I think what's ultimately going to happen is I think that they're going to really they're going to ride Wheeler and Nola, and then the number three starter. If he's fine here in September, and it September will dictate this in the playoffs, is probably Ranger. Agree. Okay. Um, and then I would I would probably say Walker is your four, but I think that they're also going to put use those guys out of the bullpen, and I think that that's going to be how they're going to hope to solidify the bullpen a little bit, is to have those guys available to do different things in the playoffs. They may not be relief pitchers, but you f- maybe you feel comfortable going to Michael Lorenzen in the seventh inning for three batters kind of thing or, or whatever the case might be. Heck, they might have Ranger do this because he's done it in the past, right? Or maybe Christopher Sanchez is a guy who could come in if one of your starters doesn't have a great game. You pull him, especially one of the righties, you pull him after three or four, and then Christopher Sanchez can come in and throw three, four innings for you as a left-handed batter and force the opponent to decide, do we want to now change our lineup around or do we want to just stick with what we have? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that there's there's some, there's some you know, a gamesmanship that's going to take place there. So I, I, I think that the Phillies' bullpen, while there are, you know, a couple of concerning things that you've seen over the past few, few weeks, I, I think that it will make it easier once you have – other options in there in the in the postseason. What disappointed me most about Wednesday's loss was that it wasn't that they fell behind early. Sanchez doesn't get it done. Um, you know, it's a guy like Hoffman or, or Strom that comes in and and the Angels sort of add on. Or it's that you have Soto, Dominguez, Kimbrel, and all three of them failed to get the job done. To, to varying degrees. And I know, like, you could say, like, well, like, Dominguez, like, one was a bloop. Kimbrel, it starts with the, the wild pitch on, on the strikeout to start the night. Like, I know. I, I hear all of that. But, like, you have a winnable game. You have those three guys in, and, and none of them did their job. And it's, like, the same thing that we've kind of continued to see here, where sometimes they throw the ball pretty well. But they just can't get any consistency lately. Like Soto again. Like, come on, man. Like, well, so the, so the Soto one, the Soto appearance is one, and I think it's the second walk that bother should bother you. The first one is Otani, and mm-hmm. I thought it was a really good battle between the two. I mean, it was so Otani fouled a couple pitches off. It ended up being, I think, an eight pitch at bat. It was three two, um, and and you know he misses and he ends up walking. You know the the clearly the best hitter in in baseball this season. Um, so that one doesn't bother me so much. The one following that, when he walks, was a Drury that he walks right after Otani. That was a completely like he was all over the place on that. Yeah. And that one, that one's the one you get there and go, all right, man. Like I understand the way you pitched to Otani, and and he worked a walk and credit him, but you didn't make Brandon Drury work for that walk. He that was that's and then he got pulled right away at that point. Um, and you're right about you know the Kimbrel thing. You know he's blown. He didn't blow a save in the first half of the season. He's now blown three, right? Um, 
he's lost five games this season. He's seven and five. I thought it was very interesting after the game on Wednesday that Rob Thompson mentioned that he had to get up on Tuesday night when they had oh, that big thousand percent. I was gonna just say that. I was just about to say that. It's yeah. it's I think telling. I think that they're very cognizant of his workload. Yeah. I think that they are concerned about it. Um and I, I also think that it's a shame that that game on Tuesday night reached the point where they felt obligated to get him up. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised, actually, as conservative as they've been with the way that they handle some of their pitching staff, that they they still felt like even at that point that they couldn't get through that inning without him. I, I found that to be kind of kind of interesting. Uh, but then to come back after the game on Wednesday and sort of point to that as perhaps a reason why he wasn't particularly sharp, uh, I, I found that interesting. And listen. You know, you look at the month of August, like go back to the two months prior. And I mean, forget ERA, just look at like hitability and base runners. Like in June, opposing hitters, 133 against him. July, 116 against him. In August, it was 250. His whip in June was 0.692. It was 0.692 in July. And then it jumped to 1273 in August. Like the command wasn't as sharp. He was more hittable. The velocity was a tick down. I don't know, man. Like they, there's no world where they want him to be an eighth inning guy. Like we all know that Craig Kimbrell wants to close games. It's where he's most comfortable. They're probably going to do everything they can this month to, to make it work and get him in a better place. But I got to tell you, I am a little bit concerned about the back end of this Phillies bullpen right now, particularly from the right side. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, there is something to the fact that they, he did throw four days straight. Three games in four night in four days, and the fourth day he did have to get up, right, and, and start to get loose. So, and as you know, Bob, they just teams do just do not do that anymore. It just doesn't happen. I was, I was actually surprised that they got him up in the bullpen on uh, Tuesday. Tuesday night. I was stunned, and I get it. Because it was getting to that point where it was like, okay, if one or two more Angels batters get on base here, it's a safe situation. And we've already used a couple other guys. Like, we have to go to him. Um, but I was a little bit surprised that that was, the, that was what they were doing. Um, because then I'm saying to myself, well, this takes him out of the rotation tomorrow. But Alvarado was out of the mix. So I guess that they were like, well, if we need him, I guess we got to go to Kimbrell again with the off day the next day so yeah i i think that they put themselves in a little bit of a bind to be to be honest um and and so that's why i'm a little bit more lenient on kimbrell for wednesday um but you're right i mean if you go back to his last save situation where it was what was it a walk and a hit by hit batter and he gave up a run right and 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 Ended up losing yeah, well, even in Sunday's game, things got interesting. Like that was like a yeah. sleepy three nothing win that brought. That the was the one I was talking about. Yeah, That's the one. Yeah. one comes to the plate. You yeah. go walk double, and all of a sudden it's second and third, one out. He gets a pop out, and then a strikeout to end it. But like that game yeah. got dicey against St. Louis on Sunday. So like you, you just you're not going to argue with clean innings in terms of scoreless innings. But like nothing has been been easy for him lately. It feels like you right. go back to last week against the Giants. Obviously, he comes in. It's a, it's a different situation. It's a tie game, but they get the dramatic. I mean, twice in a week, you get these awesome moments from Bryce Harper, and and he promptly comes in and says, "Nah," you know, like, and that that's just you you want to you want to you want to see him. There's no no blown save is a good save. 
But just like on the heels of these unbelievably dramatic moments to not be able to go out there and execute your pitches, like, ugh. And, and, and the, thing, the thing that's a little bit different about Wednesday, too, is you can almost excuse the first run. You say, okay, you know, you, you start the inning with the strikeout and you got a runner on first base and nobody out instead. But it feels like the, the tying run comes in and now you just get out of it and send it to the bottom of the ninth and we'll take our chances. And then you give up a two-run homer. Like, that just, it can't happen. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, look, it's going to be – there are things to watch here in September, for sure. This is not like a – you know, just smooth sailing, <laughs> coasting into the playoffs, and we'll be we'll see you in October. Now, this September. is the Phillies. Like, there's yeah. no world in which you and I, for the next five weeks, get on the show and go like, "Oh yeah, Phil's one, two out of three. They're just cruising right along here. All good. <laughs> Every, everything's clicking. All five guys. Rob, just you could throw a dart, and you're going to get three awesome starters in the postseason in the NLDS. Yeah. That back end of the bullpen, unbelievable. And they're hitting yeah. too. Like that, yeah. that's not gonna happen. <laughs> not gonna happen. No, it's not. No, it's not. But that's all right. It, it, that's what makes it fun, right? That's why we enjoy the ride. That's why we're we're with them night after night after night after night and doing this because it's this is what makes it entertaining. I mean, we could imagine the alternative, Bob. Like if we were one of these other teams, if we were, you know, with came into the season with great expectations like the Padres or the Mets, and it the season just fell apart and collapsed the way it did for them. I mean, where would we be right now? Like what would they, what the hell will we be? talking about yeah you know? i mean to, to a lesser degree i don't think that the 18 and 19 and 20 phillies quite had the same expectations but people were fairly optimistic about those teams and they fell flat and i don't have to imagine what that is like you know too much because we we experienced it and then you go back the the years prior where they were just an afterthought from well, the jump well but, but the, here's the difference like so 18 19 we've been doing this show since 2018 right so 18 19 20 21 those four years that they didn't make the playoffs and and although expectations weren't as high as they are this year, they they were still you know the expectation was this team's good enough to make the playoffs or at least nineteen maybe eighteen it wasn't yeah maybe getting Harper and Real Muto yeah. it felt like in nineteen hey it's it's time now right but so so but even still what my point is is that they hung in until the bitter end right and they just fell short. And yes, there were a couple of September collapses in there, and like we were like, oh, oh my god, here we go again. But the difference is, it's like what I'm trying to say is, imagine having the expectations that those teams had, and just at, by July, you're like, yeah, we're out, we're done, and then yeah. we have to go through two months of what the hell are we going to talk about? <laughs> like, the Eagles, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. that's what it could have been. So I mean, so the fact of the matter is, that's why I say it's it's when a team is like this even in the games that they lose. And we talked about this off the air, and this was kind of an interesting thing. I wanted to bring it up. The one thing about why we have so I think that there is so much anxiety at times about the Phillies is they're a good enough team that they don't get blown out, right? I mean, here and there, there's a game where you're like, okay, well, that was just a bad day. They lost 9 nothing or 8-1 or whatever. But for the most part, their losses are close games, <laughs> And and you're like, oh, my God, they should have won that game. I mean, think about how many times they've lost by a run or lost by two runs or they had the tying runs on base or whatever the case yeah. might be in the ninth inning. And and it's like, oh, they were right in it. They were right in that game. And that's why I think there's more anxiety because this team, even when they lose, you think they should have won. Um, so that's, what's make, that's what makes it fun, and that's what makes them so interesting, and that's why they're also so dangerous come October. Yeah, the only game, to, to your point, like, let me give you the Phillies' 10 losses in August, and then we'll wrap it up with one last thing here. Yeah, They lose 9-8 at Miami, that crazy game. That was the Turner errors late, and yeah. it was a horrible loss, walk-off. 
They lose to Kansas City 7-5 on a Friday night, a game they probably should have won. Yep. They lose uh, 5-4 to the Nationals. Uh, Kimbrell took the loss in that game, so that's a game yep. that you feel like they should have won. Uh, you go to Saturday, uh, the, the second game against the Twins. They lose 8-1 that night. Yeah, and that's Walker, one yeah. that's, that's one of them. That's probably the only game because then they lose 3-0 on Sunday. You feel like, hey, a couple hits here and there. Maybe we get it done. They yeah. lose uh, the first game to Toronto 2-1. That's a horrible loss, right? At the time, it felt like that. They lose 8-7 that Friday night in Washington where they had the lead and then they, they collapsed late. That was a bad loss. The uh, Little League game, 4-3 they lose. Felt like, come on, guys, like hit the ball a little bit. Uh, lose 8-6 to the Giants in the finale uh, last week. Bad loss. And then Wednesday's loss, 8-10. Uh, I'm sorry, 10-8, looking at it in reverse here. Bad loss. The only the only game that they were outclassed was the, the Pablo Lopez Saturday night game against the Twins. Yeah, that's it. One that's loss. what I'm saying. One that's game it. the entire month. <laughs> you felt like at the end of it, they weren't that's winning why, that game. That's why I was laughing earlier when you said they went 17-10. and 10, They should have been 18-9. and nine, And I'm sitting here saying to myself, we yeah. could maybe possibly convince ourselves that they could have gone uh, twenty, whatever, twenty six and one. Should have been a twenty minute, twenty win month. You know, you let them off the hook. Should have been twenty and seven. Should have been twenty two and five. You know. So yeah, I mean, like three the three losses that you think of are the Giants won, the Angels won, in that crazy game against the Marlins. Like those three right there, and you're talking about a twenty win month. Yeah, exactly. You have the rest of them. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's right. You're, I, I think you're exactly right. That's why there is anxiety about this team. That's why they do feel, even when you say, like, man, it was a 7-2 and two homestand, you're like, they, they lost two games. One was in extra innings, and one they went into the ninth inning with a lead. Like, they could have been 9-0 and on that homestand. We know yeah. that's not how the game works. Every team has these losses, but holy smokes, you know? Like, you yeah. feel like they're right there, and they do. They compete, and, and you're, it, every day is interesting. That is for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, listen, I'm a, a little short on time. We're at 45 yep. minutes here. So if you want to hit one last thing before we get out of here. So I want to ask you, you know, you, we kind of touched on the Braves and Dodgers a very little bit earlier. And I, I just wanted to kind of, they were my one last thing. Did you at all watch the, the game last night? Uh, no, I, I saw what happened, uh, but I did not see it live. Okay, so the Finals, Braves win the game eight to seven, right? Mm -hmm. And because and, and and yeah, that was the game. You know, Acuna becomes the first player to ever go thirty homers, sixty steals, and he and he does it in grand fashion with a grand slam. Um, Braves were up six to one in that game and then hung on. Um, so my 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 the question I was going to ask you, and I mean, having not watched, I, I'm still going to ask the question, but it, your answer might be a little bit different because you didn't watch it. Um, but I'm going to say, did you learn anything? from that game about the, either the Braves or the Dodgers? Uh, I I learned that when you get Lance Lynn or Spencer Strider across from you with a good lineup in a game that matters, that I'm not scared to death of either guy. And I think yeah. that's probably where you're going with this. Like, well, that's part – mostly, yes. Th th like, th that's part of it, yes. These are two great offenses. Like, there's no shame in in not going out and pitching seven innings of two run ball. But like, for for as much as like Lynn struggled with the White Sox, and then he came to LA and he he totally turned his season around. And I'm not going to kill him for a bad start against the Braves. But like, we know that the runs are up per game across baseball. Offenses are are better than ever. Spencer Strider, you, I can make a case could be the the National League Cy Young Award winner, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Three five six ERA, like it's it's not like you better you better only give up two because you know there's no way he's given up three. Like he can be had. Yeah, 
Yeah, he can. Strikes out a lot of guys, right? And and uh, you know, and he's sixteen and four. Okay, great, but he's certainly beatable. That's part of it. And, and I think it's not just the starters. I think both those teams' bullpens are not very good. And and I think that you know, I think they're just okay. I mean, I'm not saying that they stink, they, but they're just okay for for teams that are close to 40 games over 500. Those bullpens are imminently beatable. Um, that's Gratterall is the only one for the Dodgers. The Dodgers that, like you go, this is going to be a problem. But yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, um, and the Braves. I mean, even guys like Iglesias. I mean, okay, he's all right. Whatever, and I, you know, that kid Lee is lefties, tough on lefties. Okay, that's all right. But yeah, I like mean, they, the, used, they used Pierce Johnson late last night. He's yeah. kind of like a guy, like four, five, six ERA coming yeah. in here. Mitch is a guy that I feel like has been good for a while, but not he's having a great year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, they, their Braves bullpen reminds me of the Padres bullpen last year in the playoffs. That's really what it reminds me of. The other thing that I wanted that I noticed in the game, and I wanted to point this out because this is where this is kind of what I was getting to when I was saying the seven games against the against the Braves for the Phillies are going to be really interesting from a you know to see how they are to see how they respond to the games. The one thing about the Braves that I really want to give them credit for for the entire season up to this point is any time that they've gone into a series that you say this is like a this is like a, an interesting series for the Braves, you know, because they're going up against a hot team or a team that's, you know, that should be challenging them. They go out there and they put up a number quick. Mm-hmm. So, like, that is an impressive thing. They got six runs in the second inning off of Lance Lynn, and that game looked like it was over early. It was 6-1. And Dodgers come back and make it a close game in the end, 8-7 is the final. Um, but the the one thing about the Braves is is they seem to have that mentality that oh you think you're gonna you're gonna you know you're playing great baseball and now you're gonna come in here and you're gonna face us and and use us as a measuring stick or we're gonna knock you down a peg yeah yep. and that's the one thing about the Braves all season that they've done um they haven't really done it to the Phillies um there was the one series here in Philly that had the rain out. And then the two games that the Braves won, but both of those games were really t- the Phillies could have yeah. won either one of them. I right? remember those games well. They they actually the first game they they didn't use their bullpen like they didn't use their best pieces. I remember yeah. after that game being like, "What are we doing? This is like a statement series." And they were they went all their lower leverage guys late in a tie game. Yeah. And then the next day it was Nola six shutout innings and Kyle Schwarber out in left field missing the fly yeah. uh, line drive at him. Like yeah. Yeah, that's so, those are those two losses. The one team that they have not done it to this year is the Phillies. Because the Phillies went yeah. to Atlanta and they split. And then that was the two games here, and there was the rain out. So yes, Atlanta won those games, but they were not by any stretch of the imagination, we're gonna impose our will upon you. They could have gone easily, could have gone the other way. Um, so that's what makes the that's why I am so intrigued by those seven games because the Braves have done that to absolutely everyone in baseball except for the Phillies, and I want to see if they can. And if they can't, that to me, that's why I said it will. I will know after they the, the seven games if I'm more confident or less confident that the Phillies can beat the Braves. Should be interesting, and it should be an interesting month of September. We will be back on Monday after this three-game series uh, in Milwaukee. And uh, make sure that you're following us on uh, Twitter. You can follow Anthony. I think you're chiming in here, Ant. I see. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you're dialing yeah. in. 
can follow uh, Anthony on, on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. You can follow me at Bob underscore Wankel, show account at UpPhillies. Uh, a couple other things before we get out of here real quick. I just want to shout the story that you did. Uh, if, if you want to just take a moment to talk about that story real oh, quick. Yeah, the Diego story. I mean, it was such a good story. And if you have a half hour, <laughs> literally a half hour to yeah. read, uh, it, it's, it was an amazing story. And, and a lot of people have applauded it and have shouted you out. And I just want to give you a platform to talk about that real quick. Oh, it was, it was So it, it was really kind of Bob. It came up. Um, Christian Pache, I think he had a couple of really nice games back in June. Um at Citizens Bank Park, and I, it's after a game, you know, I wanted to talk to him, and I was just over there. It was just me and and, um, and Tim Kelly from Phillies Nation. Nobody else, like the rest of the writers had left, and I said, you know, I, I want, we want to go over and talk to Pache, so we grabbed Diego because Pache needed needed the interpreter, and, and Pache starts telling us that, you know, he feels like the things that he's learned in Philly or to adjust, you know, on his swing and, and mechanical stuff has been a credit to the fact that the Phillies let Diego sit in on his batting sessions with Kevin Long and that he Diego can give him a, a, a better translation into Spanish from English as to what exactly Kevin Long wants him to do. And I asked him, I said, you've never, you know, this is, you were in Atlanta, like you were in Oak in Oakland. Not that I was surprised that it didn't work in Oakland, but um, I said, they didn't, he said, no, they didn't. Let, they never let that happen. So then I asked Diego about that, and he started explaining to me like what the tr what the translator jobs were, the interpreter jobs were, and that how every team kind of treats it differently. And sometimes it's a guy who's you know just the travel coordinator who they call in, or sometimes it's a bullpen catcher. Hey, can you just translate whatever? But teams don't necessarily utilize it that way. And then Diego told me it was Gabe Kapler, who it was his decision. It was his idea to bring him down into the dugout from up in the press box and, and really kind of make him more than just a guy who was translating at media sessions. And so, like, I really like, I said, this is a fascinating story. And then, of course, I start to find out about, you know, I asked Diego to sit down and talk. We talked for two hours and got all of his backstory and everything. And it was just a fascinating path that he took to go from caracas venezuela to you know being the phillies interpreter and, and i said this is this is great and so that it, it's been it was a two-month-long process and i didn't you know the, the last interview i did was with gabe uh when the giants were in town a couple weeks ago and turned out you know just a, i knew it was going to be long i knew it was going to be a a real featurey kind of thing but i kind of got the sense that this was the, the way that this team is right now in this city and 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 the how how they're on, how they the the city loves the Phillies right now. That putting out a story of that length at this time would really kind of make sense and, and hit home, and everybody would love it. And, and it worked out. It's great. I mean, I've not had one negative comment. So many good positive comments about it, and I appreciate that, of course. But I mean, it's not. I all I did was put pen to paper, right? I mean, I just wrote it, and and the story is Diego's, and and his uh, his he's a fascinating person. He's a great person, um, and and the Phillies are lucky to have him. Yeah, it was a great story, and uh, you know, he is he really is a great guy. You talk to anybody around the team, covers the team, works in the organization, players. They all have great things to say about him. So it was it was um, really, really nice uh, to, to see that highlighted. Uh, the only other uh, thing I'll get to here before I roll is uh, starting up a little side project here, uh, starting a daily newsletter. Uh, it's called Red October Philly. Uh, I'll come to your mailbox every Monday through Friday uh, by 9 a.m. 
Um, really excited to do it. It's actually gotten a pretty good response. I haven't actually even gone to Twitter with it yet, but uh, we're, we're actually racking up some pretty good subscription numbers here in the early going. We've got two of them out. So playing around with that a little bit. And if uh, you're interested in subscribing to that newsletter, you can go to redoctoberphilly.com uh, backslash subscribe and uh, be sure to check that out as well. All right. So we'll be back on Monday morning uh, and we will talk to you soon.